The name of this sermon is Looking Like Jesus, and it was recorded on February 18, 2007. I hope you all enjoy this one and are having a thoughtful journey this Lent season. I know I am. There's a little boy in Perry, and I was given the opportunity as youth minister to do children's sermons, and so at that time in life, I didn't know what to do, so many times I read books, and many times I'd get illustrations from members, and, and anyhow, it was following worship one day, and a little boy ran down the aisle out of the grass of their parents and said, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? i got to ask him something, and the pastor leaned down, and he said, where's Jesus? And he said, Jesus is in your heart. And he said, no, he isn't. No, he isn't. He comes to church every Sunday. And the pastor said, well, he's there with us, and he's in and through us. He goes, no, he isn't. He's that big fat guy that does the children's sermon. And the pastor said, Mark? And he said, his name is Mark? Let us pray. Lord God, we forget sometimes people are looking for Jesus in us. And what are we showing them? Lord God, open our eyes and our hearts to stop looking in the mirror to see ourselves and to start looking in the mirror to see you in us so that our words and our actions show forth more of you than of us so that your transforming grace turns us into being the Jesuses to this world that they are so hungry to see. Lord God, free us this morning to hear not me, but I pray to hear you in what's read and what's said. Amen. If you'd follow along with me in the book of 2 Kings, the story of Elijah. It's the chapter 2, starting with verse 1. 2 Kings, chapter 2. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and said, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha Elisha, and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I can do for you before I am taken from you. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, he said. 
You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said, yet you see me when I am taken from you. It will be yours, otherwise not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, and the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them apart. He picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak that had fallen from him and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. The company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, The spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Look, they said, we, your servants, have 50 able men. Let them go and look for your master. Perhaps the Spirit of the Lord has picked him up and set him down somewhere on the mountain or in the valley. No, Elisha replied, do not send them. But they persisted until he was too ashamed to refuse. So he said, send them. And they sent 50 men who searched for three days but did not find him. When they returned to Elisha, who was staying in Jericho, he said to them, didn't I tell you not to go? The young seamen had gone through several different trips in and out from the ocean and and was invited as he came back for being such a leader on his ship to be the one that would prepare and send the ship forth. He spent days calling all the men together and they, they scrubbed the deck and they prepared all the weapons and made sure that everything was ready to go. And on that day when they cast off, they were all smiling and just thought, this is amazing. This ship looks better than it's ever looked. It is amazing what this young lieutenant has done for us. And then all of a sudden the radio beeped. And the radio had said, this is your captain. I am still on the dock. You have left without me. Please return immediately. Many times in life we we think we have it all together and we've done everything we said we would do and we've prepared ourselves for this great journey and yet we have gone off without the most important element. Our captain. The person that we need most in our life, we we go into the trials of life, we go into the struggles of life, we go into our daily work, and, and it's as if we've set him on a shelf and hope that he will understand. We'll call when we need you. Sort of as if God is a 911 that that you know I really don't have to have until I have to have him, right? You know what that's like? Any of you ever use God as that emergency, almost like the Batman phone? Whenever it gets bad enough, you pick it up. The passage this morning, and as we'll go into the New Testament, is reminding us that God is not only to be with us, we're to be with Him. We are to allow God to be a part of who we are and all that we are. Our whole faith journey has to be making sure that a daily walk with Him is what others are seeing in us. Not just when things get rough, not just when things aren't going as we would want them to go, it's daily walking with Him. Liz reminded me of a great statement by St. Francis of Sissy this morning that said, go forth and share the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Think about that. 
Is your life reflecting the Christ that you want the world to see? Is your life reflecting the Christ that you want the world to see? As the little boy in Perry reminded me, to be called Jesus sometimes can feel good. And to be called Jesus sometimes can be embarrassing. Are we reflecting the Christ? Today is Transfiguration Sunday. It is an amazing Sunday in the journey of Lent because on this Sunday, before Ash Wednesday, we began to understand that something took place, something that most theologians do not even understand. We say the word transfiguration, and we know that that means to uh, transform, to become different, to not be the same. And we say, okay, that's who we are as Christians. So this journey of Lent is about us changing and becoming someone different so that we can become better who we're supposed to be. And, and we can go with that, and that works for many of us. But I don't know that this is exactly, totally, what was meant in this amazing story I'm about to reveal to you. As we really look at both Elijah's transformation and we look at Jesus' transfiguration, do we truly understand what he is trying to tell us today? Is as I heard the other day that an older person once said, I have never, never become what the Scriptures told me I am to become. And I'm near death. Is it too late? Think about that. Think about that statement. Am I who the Scriptures say I am to be? This is what Transfiguration Sunday is all about. For it is about a journey of faith that takes us to an amazing revelation that we must understand we are to be about. If you will, turn to the book of Mark with me. Before I'm dead and gone, I'm going to train you. Look at the words for yourself and allow yourself to read and hear these for you. If you'll turn with me to Mark 9, we'll be reading about the transfiguration in verse 2. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up on a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anything in the world could bleach them, and there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were, they were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. And when they asked him, why did the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, 
To be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come, and they have done to him everything they wished, just as it was written about him. To go and tell no one until I have risen. To go forth and tell no one about what they had seen and what they had revealed to them until he had risen. Today, we have a world that is seeking after this Christ. Just in in the session that Liz and I went alone talking about young adults, we see that there are people in this world that are so hungry to figure out who it is they are, nevertheless, who it is they are through Him. And we as the church have to realize that people are seeking it either in the church or they will find it somewhere else. That they are looking at our lives and looking at our lifestyles and they're wondering if, if what we say is the same. If we can read this Word of God and live this Word of God, then are we really relevant to them? Or are we doing one thing on Sunday and living another way during the week? Are our prayers just empty prayers because they hear us living out during the week other things than what we lift up to God on Sundays? Do they hear us rationalizing our lifestyles, justifying our actions, or do they see us repenting and asking for forgiveness when we we have fallen short? They are watching and they are looking and they are hungry to know. You know, most children today learn by what they see, not by what they hear. Can I get an amen? We know that. That's how we learned, isn't it? That is how we learned. We watched and we sought out examples of who we were to be, and sometimes they weren't the best examples. And so we grew into experiences that we wished we didn't, but we were seeking to become someone different, and we were trying to learn by what we were watching around us. The transfiguration of Christ was the disciples watching to see if all that he had said he was was who he really was. And in that moment, the three disciples were given an amazing gift, the gift of understanding without a doubt that Jesus was the Christ, that he really was who he said he was. Do you believe he is? Oh, my gosh, do you really? Amen. Do you believe Jesus is Jesus? Yeah, I guess. Who else could he be? Jesus is the Christ. Hoorah! He is He is the Christ. So therefore, He's the Christ in us that the world is hungry to see. People are seeking. I read Men's Health. Since I haven't been able to work out lately, I just thought I'd read about it. But I was reading Men's Health the other day, and I was realizing the fortunes that people are spending on finding themselves. In Men's Health, it was talking about the year 2000 is an amazing 10-year span of discovery of who we are. And this is what people are doing. They are stepping out and looking for different ways to be all that they can be. One, one course that you pay, these are all thousands of dollars. Ship of fools, outbound teens for selling expeditions that you spend six to nine months at, out on the sea discovering who you really are between a rock and a hard pace. The eco-challenges. Have y'all ever watched the eco-challenges? Oh, my God. Have you ever watched them, Kim? I watch them, and I just go, how crazy are y'all? 
You're paying to be left out in the middle of nowhere for months upon end without anything but like a pocket knife and a, and a bag of Oreos. No, not even Oreos, just some light food that they have to use for six months to eat off of unless they kill an animal with their bare hands and they climb and they race and they swim and they, you know, and they pay money to do this. Pay me money, I'll drop you off somewhere. Streams of consciousness that you can go on a river adventure. You can be a hero quester and participate in a real life experience that, here's the key word, gives you your purpose. Master disaster. Learn as an expert teaches you how to walk away from an airplane crash or an earthquake or a car wreck and more. Become the hero that you were intended to be. This is just amazing. Tall in the saddle. Race across America. I thought it was horses. Race across America on a bicycle team. I mean, that just hurts thinking about it. Become the big wheeler you were always meant to be. <laughs> Making the grade. Become a true man. Searching the rainforest. Chasing wolves. Meeting polar bears. <laughs> Digging for dinosaurs. Be all that you can be. I read these. These are real. These are what people are paying fortunes to do so that they can find who they are. It is that pursuit that we are after. We are seeking to become someone, and either the world is telling us who we are or God is. Either the world will give us the example we are to follow or the church will. Transfiguration Sunday is that reminder to us that we have been transformed, that we are refigured into who we are to be, that each and every one of us have that opportunity, that gift is offered to us from God, that each of you have the chance this morning sitting here to know that someone else, someone else can be changed because they have met you and encountered your grace. Last night, sitting there in, in a home Bible study, and we were reading the Scriptures and hearing the words, and I knew another Bible study was going across town, doing the same Scriptures, the same word, overwhelmed me to think that this is what the church could be for the whole world. That we could not, we're not necessarily setting ourselves apart, but that we could be setting ourselves up to be examples that we read the Word and study the Word. How many of y'all, how many of y'all, and I want you to be honest, no one, I promise you, just be honest, how many of you read the Bible three times this week? Okay. This isn't reprimand, this is reminder. Guys, we have to be in the Word daily. Amen? We've got to, to be transformed, you have to seek the manual. It's like me putting together Christmas toys without the directions. Taylor, Brendan, have they ever come out good? No that we have to be in the Word and we have to read it not for my sake. And I'm telling you, as your pastor, I love being your pastor, but guys, you cannot rely on me to solely, solely give you the direction. I can offer you a boost on Sunday, and if you come to men's Bible study, we have an amazing group of men and women in Bible study in this church. But if we are sitting at home saying, it had just happened, it won't. It won't. We have to be reading the Word and being transformed by... You know the Word is transforming, amen? Any of you ever been transformed by reading the Word? It is. It's transforming. Jesus spoke the Word to the disciples, and on that day, He showed them who it, it was that He said He would be. 
that he was the Son of God, that Elijah and Moses would profess that through the prophets of old and that one day he would stand with them as the reminder that he was the Christ. And he did that and the disciples were frightened and excited. They didn't know what to do. Build a tent, run, tell everyone. And he told them not to. Why do you think he told them not to? It's St. Francis's phrase that we shouldn't have to tell people the Word of God that we should be the living Word of God. Either gasp or say amen, but let a breath out. That we are to be the Word of God, that our lives are to be the Word of God, living out what the Scriptures have said. That we were to go down from that mountain when we encountered Christ, and I pray that each of you have encountered Him. Amen, have you? Have you encountered Jesus Christ in your life? If you've encountered Jesus Christ in your life, then He is calling you down from the mountain to live among the people, living out that Word in your life, in your actions, in your deeds, and all that you are, and to celebrate the Christ in you with the world around you. That's what people are looking for. They're looking to be transformed. Young adults are. Children are. Youth are. Several of our members even went to a senior adult training to figure out yesterday how they can be better for senior adults. And you know, they're looking for the same thing, amen? Amen. Senior adults, you're looking for transformation. A little slower. I mean, you don't want to do an eco-challenge, but you're looking for it. But you know, most young adults don't want an eco-challenge. They're doing it because what the church is offering them isn't exciting. They want something different. We all want something different, but we all want the same thing. We want to see Christ. The church should be offering that. And that's what's so amazing is he's right here. He's right here. He's in each of you if you allow him to be shown forth. Do you guys know this morning a miracle happened in our lives? I got some of you listening now. A miracle happened in our lives. A miracle happened in your life this morning. A miracle happened when either, I don't know, your your wife turned around and said, okay, get up. Or your parent walked in and said, you are going to church, and until you're old enough to choose for yourself, you're going with me. Or a friend called and said, are you going to church this Sunday? A miracle happened because you woke up, and you kicked those feet out of that bed, and you thought, hey, I'm alive. You thought, not only am I alive, but I have a chance to choose to do something. But that's not the miracle. I mean, as you drug your body, you know, sometimes I think when I wake out of bed, I look like a, I don't know, just a frustrated elephant making his way because I, I ache and I drag and I swing my head and my poor family just stays out of the way. And I make it into the bathroom and, and I've already had two cups of coffee and I'm still not going. And I walk in and, you know, it's like when you turn on the light, it's one of those things you can't do it easy, right? You know, I mean, either turn the light on or you don't. And you're afraid of what you're going to see when you turn the light on, but you know you got to do it. So you flip that light on and you stand there blinking and wiping and trying to figure out, are you going to really make it through today? The miracle is about to be seen because as you walk and you stand before that mirror, as you stand before that mirror, a miracle is taking place. Do you know that the symbols in heaven have almost clashed. 
And the angel choir is standing there, and they're, they're getting ready. They're almost like us on Sunday morning when Ralph has the choir stand. You guys know that we are, it's like that. Because you know the note that's about to come up, unless Brian has some long, drawn-out prelude to show off, then we all go, okay, wait for <laughs> But we're, we're ready. You know, it's like we're ready to go. The choir is there. And all the children in heaven are running to and from, getting ready to get so excited because another child of God is about to look into the face of God. You know where the miracle is? It's you. And that's what we're forgetting. You guys are miracles. You are miracles of God because he looked upon your lives and he looked into your face. And guys, Kim, he said, I have an amazing purpose for you in this life. And when you look back in that mirror and your eyes light up, you have almost caught the glimpse of God. And as you stand in that mirror, you're thinking, you know, just give me 30 minutes and let me wash my face or brush my teeth or, or put on a little bit of makeup. Not, not me, but you put a little makeup on or, or do something with my hair. Do something different. And he's saying, no, don't. I love you just the way you are. That it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do to yourself. What I've already done for you is all that matters. Because he has reached into your life, and it's almost when you're looking in that mirror, he's sort of pinching your cheeks and, and sort of hitting you on the chin, and he's saying, I love you just like you are. All your wrinkles, all your bad breath, all your messy hair, even your messy lives. He loves us. Guys, that's transforming. Amen? Because there's no one else in the world can offer us that. Amen? They say they do. They say they will. They want to. But let us just mess up a little bit. Let us get a little wrinkle of sin. Let us get a little messed up from life. And all of a sudden, people back off. You're not who I want you to be. But God looks at you and says, you're just who I created you to be. And I love you. And you can't tell me from the youngest child to the oldest adult in this room that we don't need to know that. That we don't need to know that he loves us. And that's transformation. That that is what the world, do you guys know that? Down at the coffee shop, the kid with the tattoos and the piercings, God knows where, needs someone to just say, God loves you. And I, I do too. I don't know why. And that piercing's a little weird, but I love you. Because he's looking at you and saying, man, loosen up the tie, take the coat off, and just be yourself, and I can love you. That's the message that the world is wanting to hear. The man stood there in the restaurant, and, and they were all eating dinner together. And they were Christians, but you know, they were just a little, little afraid of showing that because you know how it is out in a restaurant, a public place, people are going to look and they're going to snicker and they're going to laugh. So they were really challenged as if they should say their prayer. The waiter took their order and when he came back to refill their drinks, he said, you want me to bless this for you? And they all lit up. They looked into his face and he said, yes, I'm a Christian just like you. 
And he prayed a blessing upon their meal and upon their life. And he gave them the greatest gift of all. He showed them Christ in his face. And for the rest of that meal, and probably for the rest of the day, they were able to do the same for the world around them. Transfiguration is that. It's to go ye into all the world, preaching, teaching, and baptizing, and if necessary, use words. That our lives should be transforming. That people should see the glow about us. That the veil should be removed. And there should be an amazing transformation in who we are to this world. And guys, guess what? It's never too late. Today. Today you can do that. If you're sitting there today and you're saying, but I failed yesterday or I failed a year ago or I remember six years ago when let it go. and Let God remind you who He created you to be. Today I want you to do something special as we leave this place. I don't mind... It doesn't matter if you come by and shake my hand. It's wonderful when some of you do it. It's funny when some of you avoid me. I, I don't know what it's all about, but it's not about me. What it is about is about you and the God in you. And I'd like you to do something this morning. I'm not even going to stand on one of the sides. I want you to walk by this mirror and look in this mirror and see the Christ that I see in you. Look into your eyes and don't see your eyes. See Him. Because He's in you, and He's shining through you. And He wants you to show Him to the world around you. So let me remind you, at the close of this service, things are changing for us. We're no longer just putting in the bulletin, you want to join, come down. Something's happened in your life, let us know. We want to remind you each and every Sunday, if you have been transformed through what God has told you in this service, during the last hymn is always the time that we invite you to come down. We're not going to do five verses of just as I am, but however many verses we do of whichever hymn we do is that reminder that it's never too late to come down here and kneel and just tell God. You don't have to tell me. Tell God, God, I want to be different today and the rest of my life. Or if you've had an amazing transformation that you need the, the church to know and the world to know, come say, Mark, I just need this church to know that I, I'm trying to be different. Or if it's the first time encounter with Jesus Christ and you're sitting there today saying, forever everyone thought I was a Christian, but until today I didn't realize what one was. Today is the day I want the world to know I am who I say I am. Come down and let us celebrate that with you. And if you've found a family in this church as many have, and you need to make that a clear statement, I invite you to do the same. But if nothing else that you've heard me say today is that God loves you. God loves you. It doesn't matter what the world thinks about you. God loves you. And He's pretty amazed at who you are. And He hopes and prays that you can continue to be that to the world.